This episode is sponsored by Less Accounting. Are you looking for a system that makes it easy to track all of your expenses, income, and your budget? Is QuickBooks too much of a pain for you? It was for me, and I switched to Less Accounting, and I love it. It makes things really easy to keep track of and gives me a lot of charts and graphs that make it easy for me to look at and just know where I'm at with my expenses and everything else. One of the owners, Alan Branch, and his son have written a book for entrepreneurs' children that talks about what entrepreneurs do and why they're important. So if you're interested in that, then go to lessaccounting.com slash hero. Working and learn from designers at Amazon and Quora, developers at SoundCloud and Heroku, and entrepreneurs like Patrick Ambron from Brand Yourself. You can level up your design, dev, and promotion skills at Level Up Con, taking place October 8th and 9th in downtown Saratoga Springs, New York. Only two hours by train from New York City, this is the perfect place to enjoy early fall and Oktoberfest while you mingle with industry pioneers in a resort town in upstate New York. Get your ticket today at levelupcon.com. Space is extremely limited for this premium conference experience. Don't delay. Check out levelupcon.com now. This episode is brought to you by ProXPN. If you're out and about on public Wi-Fi, you never know who might be listening. With ProXPN, you no longer have to worry. ProXPN is a VPN solution which sends all of your traffic over a secure connection to one of their servers around the world. To sign up, go to ProXPN.com and use the promo code TMTCS, short for Teach Me to Code Screencasts, to get 10% off for life. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 130 of the Freelancer Show. This week on our panel we have Reuven Lerner. Hi everyone. Eric Davis. Hello. Curtis McHale. G'day. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv and this week we have a special guest, Tim Page. Hello everybody. I don't have any, you know, you guys all have like a different greeting. I need something interesting, you know. Uh-huh. Like, like what's that? You know, like go back to... <laughs> there you go. So you want to introduce yourself really quickly? Hi, I'm Tim Page. <laughs> <laughs> that was really quickly. I'll, I'll grant to that. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. So uh, I guess uh, I'm, I'm the conversion educator at Lead Pages. Well, I don't guess that. I know that. I'm a husband and a dad. I got a little baby boy named Owen. He's about to turn a year old, which is about the scariest thing in the world. And I love marketing. That's my whole uh, presentation in a nutshell. Awesome. So one of the things you do as the conversion expert, whatever your job is at Lead Pages, is you do the conversion cast, which is kind of fun to listen to. Thank you. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. That's it's every week. It's every Monday and it's just myself and, and another marketer. They could be, you know, a solopreneur. They could be a freelancer. They could be a big, you know, a part of a, a large organization like Wistia, Aweber, Moz, Kissmetrics, stuff like that. And they just come on and, and we kind of talk about one thing that they're doing that's working in their marketing. So if you listen to an episode, you're going to get basically one thing that you could try in your business. Uh, most episodes will apply to everybody. Sometimes you'll get something that's kind of specific, but yeah, it's a, it's really, really fun, especially if you're kind of nerdy about marketing or if you really are interested in, in kind of, you know, what what's really working in online business. Right. You want to explain a little bit about, I just want to kind of get the ball rolling and talk a little bit about lead pages and about landing pages. We talk about freelancing. We talk about you know, how to build your business. Where do landing pages actually fit in? I mean, is it just the basic website for your business or are there better ways to use landing pages versus uh, like an informational site about your business? You know, it's really interesting. I talk to a lot of kind of new freelancers, new entrepreneurs, kind of people that are trying to strike out on their own. And what I get asked about uh, 99 times out of 100 is like, what's the first thing that I should put on my website. And my answer is always the first thing you should do is start collecting email addresses. And the reason for that is, you know, imagine that you are a freelancer and what you want to do is you want to go out into the world and and get, you know, new clients. Well, 
would it be easier to launch your service to nobody or to a bunch of people? Well, clearly the answer is to a bunch of people. It's a dumb question. But the beautiful thing about starting by collecting leads, that means that you're always going to be working on expanding your customer base and getting more opportunities to connect and engage with an audience that you can then turn into clients when that time arises that they're going to need your services. So where this all fits in is a landing page is really very simply defined as just a page that's designed to get people to take an action. And typically, a landing page will really just get people to take one action, and that can be entering their email address, it can be registering for a webinar, it could be buying a product or you know hiring you or scheduling an appointment with you. Uh, but the most common kind of landing page that when people refer to a landing page, what they're talking about is an opt-in page, meaning it's designed to get people to enter their email address. And so very simply, if you're getting started, I would even encourage you to get a domain, and if you're a freelancer, your domain could simply be your name.com. And link that at first just to a landing page. And that landing page should give away something that's really clear and easy for somebody to want to download and that will solve a specific problem. And we've done a lot of testing around this. We've got a couple of billion points of data at this point. And we found that the highest converting giveaway, and and you might hear me refer to it as a lead magnet, which is the thing you give people in exchange for them entering their email address. So if you hear me say lead magnet, that's what I'm referring to. But the most effective lead magnet we've ever given away was a list of tools, okay? So a list of resources. So for example, let's say you were a, a web designer, a freelance web designer. You might give away a list of the, the only three tools that you need to make sure that your website looks beautiful, right? Or something like that. Give a list of tools that your potential customer would want to download and would help them solve a specific problem. So your your landing page would be something as simple as, you know, a nice background. It could be something related to your industry. And then a headline that says something like free report reveals the only three tools that you need to make sure your website looks great and, you know, does X, Y, and Z. And then just a button where people click it, they can enter their email address and that lead magnet will get sent to them. So I think the landing page is the first thing that you should implement in your, your online presence. And it's also the thing that you should be spending a lot of your time and effort focusing on optimizing and making sure that it's effective. So let me just ask you, too, because all that sounds really great, but I guess I'm still so confused. And I've, I've been doing web stuff for a long time. I've had a site for a long time and homepage for a long time. And I get a little confused between like my site, my homepage, and a landing page. So... Mm-hmm. Are you suggesting that I should be spending lots of time on the homepage of my website, turning into something that will get me a lot of leads and have people sign up and with a giveaway and so forth? Or can, should it be another page on my site? Or does it really not matter? It does matter, but it's going to really be different depending on your industry. So I'll ask you this question. The majority of people that come to your site, are they going there for the first time? (laughs) <laughs> That's one of those questions I probably should be able to ask. Uh, that <laughs> answer, huh? Yes, yes, actually, almost certainly. So then, yes, you would want your homepage to actually be a landing page because what happens when people typically go to a website is that website looks like a whole bunch of things that are all over. No matter how beautiful your website is, most websites have a bunch of links along the top, a bunch of banners along the right-hand side, or even one or two banners, maybe some blog posts and stuff like that. There's like a start here thing. There's like this thing here that they can click on. And for most people, if they're coming to your site for the first time, whether they found you on Google or they were linked to you or whatever, they typically have no idea what they should do first. 
So if the first thing that they see is some a really nice, clean landing page that only has the option for them to either enter their email address or you know continue on to your blog or whatever, uh, then they don't have that kind of paralyzing uncertainty about what to do, right? They, they If I go to a website for the first time, I'm like, oh my gosh, should I click on the, the start here? Or really, is that not for me? Maybe I should look through the blog post. I don't know. Oh, here's something free. Should I click the thing for the free thing? Or I'm not sure. And that can lead to people just going, well, I'm gone and leaving the website because they don't know what to do or kind of clicking around, not finding specifically what they're looking for and leaving. But if they land on your website and the first thing is, hey, free report reveals, blah, 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 and that blah, blah, blah is something that will solve a problem for them, then they're more likely to enter their email address. And the beautiful thing is when you capture somebody's email address right away, they don't have to come back to your website in order for you to continue engaging with them and continuing the conversation with them. And and that's the real problem. If somebody comes to your website and doesn't find what they're looking for very, very quickly, they're going to leave your website and chances are they'll never come back. But if they leave your website and you've got their email, hey, you've got reasons to bring them back. You can continue engaging. You can provide more content, et cetera. Wow. That was so a really I, I, long I, answer to your question. No, no, no. That was fantastic. That was fantastic because it basically means also that instead of focusing on, as you've said, well, what kind of link should I have on the homepage of my website? I should think about, well, what kind of thing can I give people that will give them value, not just because it's basically A, to show off my expertise, but also to get them added as leads. Yes, exactly. And, and you want to make sure you're giving something of value, like you mentioned. Yes. You don't want it to be like, you know, here's my, here's my 80 page ebook on, uh, how to do this one thing. And then they open it up and each page has like two, you know, two lines or something. But, <laughs> you know, but even, even in that case, I've really found, and we've done this a lot. We've given away things that are crazy valuable. Like we did, you know, like a six part video course that took us a month to create. We wrote an ebook that took us two weeks to create and they were both insanely valuable. And yet that this one page PDF that we gave away that was a list of five tools that converted better than anything that we've ever given away. Even an hour long coaching call with me or an hour long coaching call with Clay, who's the CEO of lead pages. None of that out converted the one page PDF. So uh, I get asked a lot, like, you know, what should I give away? You know, should I make an ebook? Should I do all this? And I'm like, no, one page PDF list of a few tools. Because one, it doesn't take that much time to do, so you can have that up and running really quickly. And two, it'll convert better than anything else. Okay, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, one thing you got to do is kind of look at how clients, like kind of the sales funnel for the client. Like, you know, at what stage do they hear about you? You know, do they investigate you? You know, what does it go through? And so for mine, I found a lot of people, they'll come to my site and they'll want to, they're there to learn more about me and kind of decide like, okay, should I get in touch with Eric or not? And some of them do use the contact form, but I've had a lot. I have like kind of a, uh, I think it's seven email, kind of a newsletter autoresponder thing where I say, hey, if you want to learn more about me, you know, here's this free thing. It's seven days, no obligation. And the point of that is to kind of get someone to say, yeah, I'd like to learn a bit more. And it's more focused. So they're not like jumping from page to page to page and kind of missing the important stuff. And I was just looking on my stats on that. I've had really good response on that. And I think about every month or so, I'll email that list if I have availability and say, hey, I have some time coming up. If you want to work with me, you know, just reply back to this email. We'll start a conversation. And that whole process has been working really good. And I actually use lead pages and I kind of do some, I have different uh, like white papers I've been giving away. And it's let me kind of track like which ones are kind of where most people are interested in, but they might not opt in or which ones people opt in the most. And I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to actually track that in more detail so I can figure out like, Okay, if people come to my site, 
what do they really care about and focus on those kind of topics and to try to really hone in on what my ideal client wants and needs. Yeah, that's huge. You, you said two really big things there. And one is that, you know, you're, you're keeping track of, of those analytics and maybe, you know, you could be doing them better. But the fact that you're even looking at them or kind of noticing that there's something going on, that there are trends there is big. A lot of people ignore that kind of stuff. They're not looking at their analytics. They're not looking at their conversion rate. They're not trying to discern what's actually getting them results and, you know, looking at it in the way that you are where you're like, hey, what, what do people really want? And just looking at what they're opting in for will tell you what they really want. The other thing that you said that was really important is that you know, you know, you're kind of recognizing the source of your traffic. What are people wanting when they go to your website? So for you, they're wanting to learn a little bit more about your services. That's awesome. That's really good to know. Uh, another example of something where it's kind of unique is, uh, so I do voiceover services, right, for podcasts and stuff like that. And I know that about 95% of the, of the traffic that goes to my voiceover website is already familiar with me and are only going there because they want to listen to a couple samples and then order. So I'm not focusing much on capturing email addresses there because I know that most people going there are already ready to go. They just want to hear my voice and buy from me. Whereas if I were getting mostly cold traffic, whether it's links from other websites, whether it's from Google or whatever it is, then I would focus more on lead capture. So it's really important to know where in the funnel your audience is and then act accordingly. Yeah, and I know for me, a lot of my clients are very high value clients. So it's going to take weeks, months, maybe even like a year of following up and kind of building a relationship with them before we actually go to having a project. And so kind of getting getting their email and getting them introduced to me and you know, making it so I can contact them instead of them forgetting about me is always it's always been important in my business. Yeah, that's that's really important. I I was mentioning that kind of at my my podcast movement talk about a month ago is that, you know, one of the big problems is we rely so much on people coming back to us, right? Either getting in touch with us or, you know, listening to our podcast or, you know, doing all things that require other people to take actions. And I think we forget that we're not the center of anybody's universe. Uh, a lot of times, not even our significant other, right? But we're, we're really, with the only person whose universe we're the center of is our own. And so if we remember that other people have other stuff going on, they have their own lives to live, they have their own businesses, their own jobs, their own, you know, problems and kids and families and all this kind of stuff. If we remember that and we know that chances of people remembering us or our business or whatever it is of the thousands of other options that they have are pretty slim. And so if you make it so that you have the option to continue to follow up with them and you can reach out and you can be proactive, then you're so much more likely to be able to turn that person into a client. And the other thing is remembering timing. I mean, you know, you mentioned the, the follow up process. Sometimes people are reaching out just because they want to have somebody ready in case in the future they ever have a need, right? So, if somebody is in the need for like, you know, a great article for their website and they're looking for a freelance writer, they might not need an article right now, but they might know that there will come a time where they need an article and they need it fast. So they want to have somebody ready. If you're kind of always sending them great tips on how to craft great content and how to make sure your blog posts are all set, you're going to be top of mind. And when they're ready to hire that person, you're going to be that person they think of because you, you're right there. So what do you do with people once once you've uh, gotten them in? I'm asking kind of a leading question because, like I said, I sat through your talk and I watched the webinar. But what what do you do with folks when they've gotten the lead magnet? They're you know they're on your list, and let's say that they're kind of brand new people to you, so they you know they're just kind of at the top of that sales funnel. 
what we do is, you know, obviously we, we deliver that, that lead magnet, that giveaway to them right away. So now their kind of immediate gratification that, that, that need to have something right away is taken care of. Cha-ching. Yeah, right. Exactly. We give them something right away that they can use. And then what we do is we actually have it set up so that every three days after somebody opts in, they're going to get an email that will link them up to a lesson. Okay. And I'll, I'll, I can get into that lesson in just a second, but. What I would encourage you to do is get your autoresponder, whether you're using AWeber, MailChimp, Infusionsoft, Constant Contact, GetResponse, you know, there are bazillions of different products out there that you can use. But whatever email service provider you're using, set it up so that after somebody opts in, they're going to get an email every three days for a minimum of six lessons or for a minimum of six emails that links to those lessons. And so what the emails will say is is really clear. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Uh, your first email can say something like, Hey, I hope you enjoyed the resource guide, whatever it's called. Give it a name and, and put it there. I hope you enjoyed the five tools resource guide. I've created a course for you that's going to help you do X, Y, and Z. There are six parts to the course, and the very first part you can access right now by clicking this link. So click here to watch the first video and then link to a lesson page. And then in your PS, make sure you say something like, don't worry, the second part will be coming to your inbox in just a few days. Keep an eye out for that email. So now you, you're telling them about your current lesson. You're getting them set up for a future lesson that's going to come to them. And you're kind of creating this excitement. And when they click that link, they're going to go to a lesson page. And the reason I'm talking about this, and it's really great that you asked this, is because this kind of automated sequence that we have set up for us here at Lead Pages is generating over $10,000 per day in revenue. And it's all automated. So we don't have to do anything for this right now. It's not like we're personally sending out this email every time somebody opts in. It happens automatically. And so this means that, you know, as a freelancer, if you, you don't want to be focusing all your time and effort on marketing, if you want to spend some time away when you're not doing business, if you want to take a week or a month to go on vacation, you can do that. And you, it's like you have a marketing team taking care of marketing for you and you don't have to focus on, you know, these one-time promotions and deals. And so this is really important. So then what you do when you send people to these lessons is, you know, if you're using lead pages, great. We've got these lesson pages all set up for you. All you need to do is kind of input your own stuff. But if not, just make it a really nice lesson page that has, you know, some key things on it. But the main thing is make sure that your lessons are really valuable. And at the end of each lesson, you have an opportunity for somebody to engage with you. So here's what I would do. Spend the first three minutes of every single lesson providing lots of value. So that value could be uh, something along the lines of, let's say you are a, uh, you're a web designer. You could do, you know, the first three minutes could be like uh, the three most important design elements of every website and how to change them today. And you could talk about that inside your video. Then the last minute you say, you know, if you uh, would like somebody who's got 20 years of experience or, you know, whatever it is that you've, you've got or whatever your USP is, you know, you could say, if you want to work with somebody who can do that, click the button below and schedule a free 15 minute consultation with me or click the button below to hire me right now or whatever it is that your call to action is. And so it's three minutes of value and then kind of one minute of a pitch for your product or service. And you're going to do that for six lessons and do it all across the board. And, and the reason why I say a minimum of six lessons is we found the highest conversion rate comes between lesson four and lesson six. That's when most people will click that button once they've engaged with you. And again, it's going to be different based on your industry. You might find there's a longer cycle there, but I can only show that what we've experienced in our business. And that's what's really worked for us. And again, we can go more into detail on those lesson pages, but I think that's a great place to start. One thing that I struggled with a little bit initially after I, you know, because you, you brought this up in the webinar, was that I'm in kind of a place where I'm doing services 
So I was struggling with what to do those lessons on, should I choose to do that, for my customers, such that they would have enough value for them to go, oh, awesome, you know, I want to hire this guy. Yeah. The biggest thing is just is just to think about you know your potential customer and hopefully you know if you're freelancing you you know your customer pretty well and you'll know kind of what their big pains are right so if they hire you what's the biggest problem that you're going to solve for them what's the biggest benefit they're going to get out of that and then take that and since you're a freelancer you're going to be doing the work for them so just take that and break it down into things that you can teach them that would be something that they could do themselves but chances are when they go to try to do them they're going to probably get frustrated and go dang it i should just hire somebody to do this so a great example of this is uh, i've got a buddy ben kruger who runs a company called authority engine and what his company does is they basically produce podcasts for people Right. So they'll go in, they'll write your show notes, they'll edit your podcast, add your intro, outro, edit out all of your ums and ahs and all that kind of stuff. But he teaches all sorts of stuff on his podcast and on his website and on his YouTube channel about how to do that. Right. How to edit your show, how to do this, how to do that. And he gives away basically all the stuff that he does for you. He tells you how to do it. But then what happens is people will go and do that and go, oh my God, this is taking so much time. I'm so frustrated right now. I don't want to be doing this. And then they end up hiring him. So you can just provide lessons, especially as a freelancer. This is an amazing thing to be able to do. Provide lessons that will tell people how to do what you're going to do for them. And then, you know, you can provide the opportunity that you'll do that for them. Another example would be, I use this example a lot, would be like real estate agents, right? So as a real estate agent, you're doing what somebody could probably go out and learn and do themselves if they wanted to. But you're going to save them a bunch of time. You're going to always have your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the market. You're always going to see new homes like right away when they go on the market, that kind of stuff. So you could provide a lesson on how to go out and find the homes, right? What websites to keep to stay on top of, what neighborhoods to look in, what newspapers to look in, all this kind of stuff. And then you could say, you know what, if you want to avoid all that kind of stuff, if you'd rather save all that time, if you'd rather have somebody find the best deals for you, you could click the button below the video and you could just hire me and I'll show you the best homes. So that's the key is finding the big pain, solving that with information, and then just saying, if you'd rather just avoid all that and get it done quickly and easily, you could just work with me. Yeah, and I found that that's a good way to do it, especially if it's like like I do computer programming. So it's very, very complex, very technical, and I can start describing it, but most of my clients, it's so over their head that they just like, I don't know what to do. And so I've kind of buffered that with like, okay, if, if this is too complex or you don't understand this, you know, you can hire me, I can teach your programmers to do it, or you can give this to your programmers. But the way is to give them an easy out. So like if they recognize it's a problem and they can see like, okay, solving this problem would make whatever go away, they have some kind of thing that they can do, some kind of action to get them out of that state and into a better state. Yeah, that's great. Just make it easy for them. And that's a, that's a great way to go. All right. So let's say that I, uh, I get all this set up. They get the email, they get the lead magnet, they go through all the lessons they click on the button, you know, they get their consultation call with me. Is there anything else I should be doing with them at this point to help close the sale? Yeah, so what I would encourage, and this is something that I think you saw in my webinar, is that, I mean, as freelancers, I think this applies maybe even more so than some other industries, but I would really encourage you to start doing webinars. Because as a freelancer, you have so much information and so much knowledge and so much know-how that many, many people lack in your industry, hopefully. And so what I would really, really encourage you to do is that 
Uh, I would encourage you to start doing webinars for a number of reasons. One is this is another great way to continue growing your list. It is the best way to grow a list that I've ever seen. Nothing converts like a webinar registration page. Two, these these consultation calls are great, but they are really time consuming, right? I mean, you're spending one-on-one time with trying to hopefully close a deal with that one client. Whereas with a webinar, you can provide a lot of the same information, but provide it to a field of a, of a bunch of people, right? So you might have, you know, 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 people on a webinar or even more. I mean, you know, we've done webinars with a thousand people. And so this is an opportunity to provide all that great value in a live setting where people can interact with you. They can ask you questions. They can, you know, if you're doing design freelancing or something, they could actually say, hey, can you check out this page and, and see what you would change? And then you can provide them that free value on a webinar. Uh, you can record it and you can provide that whether it's it's as a, f- a free kind of giveaway or as part of your autoresponder sequence, or you could use that as a product that you sell. Hey, here's a, you know, here was a live training that we did uh, on how to do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, $47 or whatever. And you can use that as a piece to your funnel where later people could hire you for a kind of a more high end one on one thing or whatever it is. But webinars are such a great way to grow your list. They're such a great way to increase engagement with your audience. They're a great way to close more sales. Uh, I was talking to somebody a couple of months ago who was getting between 30 and 40% sales conversions on his webinars. And this was actually a web designer. So, I mean, this is so big that that you have such an amazing opportunity for engagement with your audience on a webinar. And this means that you can do less uh, one-on-one consultation. So I used to do one-on-one consultations for a previous business that I was doing. And I had to stop doing them because I was doing like 5, 10, 15 a day and that was only 5, 10 to 15, you know, prospects that I was working with. I started changing it. So I was doing a webinar every single day, but each webinar would have 5, 10, 15 people on them, meaning I would only have to spend an hour of my time instead of maybe five hours or 10 hours or whatever it is that I was spending. And it really saved me a whole bunch of time. Uh, and, and it really didn't affect my conversion rate. I was still converting around the same number of prospects, but it gave me my time back. Wait, let me, let me just make sure I get this because I know you said it very explicitly, but I'm going to double check with you. Sure. So I'm going to be coming out with an ebook soon. I'm going to be doing some online courses. And of course, I'm always looking for new good clients. It sounds to me like if I do webinars on a somewhat regular basis, even like half an hour every month, that that's going to help me with sales and conversions for all of those. Yeah, absolutely. And what you want to do is pitch one particular product on a webinar. So... Because the thing is, people will have, if you, if you go, so I've got the ebook, I've got the course, and you can hire me, people will go, wait, I don't know which one for me, and then they'll leave. But if you only give them one option, uh, then it's clear. I, do I do this or do I not? It's, it's really a, a clear decision. So if you're gonna, you know, I, I would encourage you to maybe do a webinar and send them to a course, because it's, it's a decent price point where it makes the webinar worth it. But yeah, well, once a month doing that and providing a whole bunch of value that would maybe be a lead up to the course, don't make it a pitch fest, but just make it if you go through the course, let's say you go through a course and you're going to learn how to write blog posts that convert every time. Well, you might teach like one or two of the aspects of that course in this webinar for free. And then you can say, you know, I've got this course that goes in depth, it provides you this, it provides you that, it provides you, you know, all these resources and all this kind of stuff. 
If you've gotten value out of this webinar and you want to take it deeper, you can sign up for the course, blah, blah, blah. And yes, you will see an amazing conversion rate on those webinars. Plus, it will grow your list so you'll have more opportunities to continue to engage with your audience. I kind of want to jump in on this a little bit. So let's say that Reuven goes ahead and starts doing these webinars for this particular thing with his Python book and a Python course, but he doesn't really have a presence out there in front of Python folks. And I, I, I'm, I honestly don't know what kind of presence Reuven has in front of Python people. But let's just say we'll, that he we'll doesn't. We'll find out, right? <laughs> you know, cause, cause I mean, this show's about freelancing. His blog is probably targeting more the type of people that he wants to work with. So let's say that he doesn't have a strong Python presence. Doing a webinar with one or two people showing up, is that embarrassing? Is it cool? Is it bad? Is it? It's know. actually not that big of a deal uh, for a couple of reasons. One is the main reason to do webinars is for the list growth because, you know, you might have one or two people show up, but you might have had 20 people register for that webinar. And, you know, 20 people is not a ton, but that's 20 potential prospects that over time may become customers by that, you know, course or whatever. But you know what? What I would say is getting one to two new people on a webinar is still pretty much the same as doing a consultation call, which you may have already been doing. And now you're providing value uh, you're connecting with a few more people. But I will say, you know, if, you, if you're doing a decent job, you're promoting it on social media, you're making it like it's a big deal, you know, maybe you're, you're reaching out to, to your circle of influence and asking them to promote for you. You can have 10 to 15 people on a webinar and still have a really successful webinar uh, and get one or two new signups for your course or even more. This is really yeah. interesting because I do kind of, an int- I call it the intro call where it's um, I talk with, you know, one company or, you know, might be a group of people there about how they need my help, what kind of state their software is in, all that stuff. And it's very free form. And I've been wanting to kind of structure it a bit more so it has like certain sections I go through so I can practice it. I can kind of not be scrambling for, okay, what should we talk about next? What, you know, how, how should I lead them into kind of my offer, like my proposal at the end? But I never thought of like actually doing a webinar and doing it kind of, you know, more of a group setting. And even if I have to take it off, you know, do the webinar and then do a short, like a 10 minute custom one for each person having kind of that. Here's the standards of working with me. Here's what I do. Here's me building up my expertise, all that in the webinar that that could be a nice little tool. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it frees up so much of your time and people are much more likely to engage with you if they know that they can, they can ask you questions and you can do that on webinars. So I do 90 minute webinars for lead pages and I get to about 65 minutes or so. And then we do Q and A after I pitch the product. And the cool thing is you're giving people an opportunity to buy or hire you or take whatever action that you want. And then after you've already made your pitch, now you can answer their questions. And now people will ask you lots of questions. They'll ask about your product. They'll ask about what you taught in the webinar. And it's just really so such a high level of connection that it kind of makes it worthwhile. And even again, if you don't close anybody on that webinar, since they've opted in, since they've registered for that webinar, now you've got all these new leads on your list that you can kind of nurture through your, your autoresponder sequence and eventually get that sale. And, and I guess part of my reluctance, small part of it, most of it is laziness and being overwhelmed with other things, right? But part of my reluctance to do this sort of webinar that you're describing has been, well, yeah, but I want to teach courses and people are going to pay for those. But it sounds like this is what a lot of people have been saying, that you really do want to give away some of your stuff in order to drive those sales. And it's okay if you repeat it in both the free webinar and in the paid for course. Yes. And I would even challenge you to give away some of your best stuff on the webinar. 
because you have an opportunity now to show people, hey, you're not buying crap. If you get this course, you're not going to get junk. Look at all of this value I provided to you in the last half hour or whatever it is. Imagine what you might get when you spend a couple hundred bucks or a thousand bucks or whatever you're selling your thing for. Imagine the value that you could get in there if you just got this much value out of 30 minutes. But if you provide kind of like a really watered down webinar, right? Where it's like, oh, you know, here's, here are a few things. The chances that they're going to want to buy your product are so slim. And yeah, the beautiful thing is on these webinars, you can provide so much value and then your course should take that same stuff and just basically expand on it. So for example, on a, a webinar that you're talking about, right? Yeah, I guess I, I would say an example with Python, but I don't have a clue what I'm talking about there, but you could do in like, four sections, right? Here's one element, another element, another element, and another element. And you go kind of a basic overview on how to do that or how to implement that on your website or whatever it is that you're doing. And then you can say, in the course, we're going to not only describe it and what it can do for you and how to use it, but we're going to break each thing down step by step so that you'll have actionable things. Plus, you'll have the checklist to make sure that you've done this all right. Plus, you'll have access to this thing, this thing, this thing. And you just make it so that it's irresistible that if somebody got a lot of value out of that webinar, there's no way that they're not going to want to buy your course. I hear that a lot, that people are afraid to give away too much, but I would encourage you to give away as much as you possibly can to make it irresistible for somebody to want to sign up for your thing. Well, the other thing that I see here is that the course is probably going to be several hours. And so if the webinar is one hour or two hours, there's no way you're going to give everything away. Right. Yeah, well, you're not giving away the farm on, on a one-hour webinar. I have another disconnect here. You're talking about the webinar as a way to build your list. And then people get on your list, they get the lead magnet, they get the six lessons, you know, click here to buy the course. Where do you promote the webinar? Yep. So there's a couple different ways. You know, you can promote it on social media. You can promote it to the list that you already have, that kind of stuff. What I've found is we've talked about kind of a little bit of a system here is that we're giving away the lead magnet to get them on the list, right? And then we've got them on the list and we're doing those lessons every three days. What we've found to work really well is since they've already gotten that instant gratification from that lead magnet and then they've gotten that lesson and then another lesson and then another lesson, we found that after that third lesson, they're pretty well engaged. They pretty well know a little bit about you. They might be really interested in your product or service. They might have some questions. That's a great time to invite people to sign up for your webinar is right after that third email that they get. So we actually put an email in our autoresponder sequence because we do a webinar every single week. Uh, we do more than that, but we have an internal webinar that we do every single week for our audience. And uh, after that third email, we have an automatic email that goes out. It's It's between the third and fourth lesson that says, hey, you know, if you've got questions that you want to answer, we're going to be uh, want answered. Uh, we're going to be doing this webinar about X, Y, and Z. You can sign up for it through this link. We'll be answering all of your questions. We'll be doing this, this, and this. Now you're taking care of your existing audience. And the beautiful thing is on that webinar registration page, there are social buttons. And we found that a good percentage, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but a good percentage of the people that register for that webinar will then share that on Twitter and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. So now their friends, that, and they'll, they'll likely have people in that same field or with that same interest, their friends are more likely to go ahead and then either opt in or register or whatever it is for your stuff. So it's going to grow your list that way and you're taking care of your existing audience. Awesome. And then do you promote it as well on things like, you know, your podcast or your blog, or do you kind of push people toward the list there as well? We definitely promote it via the blog and the, the podcast and all that kind of stuff. The webinar for us is kind of the number one thing that we promote. 
we promote the webinar harder than anything just because it does grow our list faster than anything because we've seen such a high conversion rate on the webinar. And so I would say that if you know that you've got a webinar that's working for you, if it's converting in terms of getting people to register for the webinar and getting people to buy on the webinar, then I'd put lots of effort into that. At first, uh, I would say put the effort and attention into getting people to your landing page. But after that, once you've got a webinar that you know is working, I would put tons of effort into that. So you know, if we're doing Facebook ads, we're driving them to a webinar registration page. If we're doing something, for example, we're, we're testing something new on the podcast next week where people can listen to the podcast and then they can text, for example, you know, lead pages to a number, you know, like 38645. I don't remember what the number is, but they would text lead pages to that number and they'll get a text saying, sure, give us your email address and you'll be all set for this webinar. So we'll be promoting it that way and they can text to register for the webinar. Now people will get added to that webinar. So everything that we really do in terms of driving traffic right now for us at lead pages is typically driving it to a webinar because we know that the conversion rate is so high and the sales conversion rate is, is high as well. And then during the webinar, you say go to this page and sign up for the mailing list? No, because when they register for the webinar, that gets them onto the mailing list. Oh, gotcha. Because they have to enter their email address to get the webinar information. And do you still send them the lead magnet? No, at that point, we would just get them onto the webinar. They're the kind of lead magnet, quote unquote, is the information for the webinar. I gotcha. Okay, so two quick questions about this. One is you're saying that your mailing list is how you get on the webinar. So does this mean that I sort of use my main mailing list for webinar registration, vice versa? Is there sort of a mixing of them? Or should I be doing a separate webinar list? And my second question is, it sounds like you're implying that I should just sort of redo, obviously tweaking and improving, but redo the same webinar every, every month or two if my courses are the same. Or are you saying that I should put effort into creating new content each month or two for webinar? To answer the second question, I would actually say that it really depends on on your audience. So we have done typically, we do the same webinar three weeks out of four. So if, if there's, you know, because we do it every Thursday. So three weeks, we do the same webinar. And then we try a new webinar on Thursdays. And we've been testing them to see what converts best. And if we find one that outconverts the original one that we do for three weeks, then we change it. And then we start doing that one. So I would say to, you know, try a couple of different webinars, see what works best for you, and then maybe stick to that one for a little bit. So yeah, you, you can change it up if you like to or stick to the same one. But it all comes down to testing and seeing what your audience responds to the most. You were talking about using a mailing list for registration. So you were saying, how do you get people who come to the webinar onto your mailing list? Well, you get onto the webinar by registering for the mailing list. So I've got a mailing list already. It's not that huge. And I'm really starting to try to use it better and better. But even so, I don't see how I could sort of combine the two. I mean, although maybe I should, right? <laughs> maybe I should be saying, okay, you know, my mailing list is for promoting my products and my webinars. And if people are on my list, then that's okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. So what happens is the webinar is is really a two kind of a two-sided tool. So it's great for growing your list and it's great for getting new customers. I mean, it's great for a lot of other things, but in this kind of discussion, that's what we're talking about is growing your list and getting more sales. And so what you're going to do is you're going to use all of your available tools to get people to that webinar. So one way is tell your existing audience, hey, I've got this great webinar and I'm going to show you how to do X, Y, and Z. And so what that's going to do is it's going to get your existing audience who may have already engaged with you a little bit to join you on the webinar, ask you questions, and you'll have an opportunity to kind of personally try to convince them to either buy your products or hire you or whatever. 
The second thing it's going to do with your existing audience is since they've already engaged with you and they're already familiar with your stuff, they're more likely to share it when they do register for that webinar. They're more likely to go, oh man, this is going to be a great webinar. I know because all their other stuff has been great or all his other stuff has been great. And then they're going to share that on social media. So it's going to help that way. But the other side of that is you're going to promote that webinar in other ways, not just from your list, because when people who are not on your list register for the webinar, they will get added to your list and you'll want them to get added to your regular list so that after they join that webinar, they're going to get that follow-up sequence that we were talking about earlier so they can continue to kind of get more content, more value from you and have more opportunities to buy your product or hire you. Makes sense. Makes sense. So what do you do with people after they're on your list and they've gotten all of the lessons? I, I mean, I'd like to keep sending them A++++ content, but I don't know if I have time to make videos every three days. <laughs> yeah, so we just start out with that three-day sequence, and it's a great place to get people started, get them familiar with your, your concept, your company, your brand, whatever you're doing. And then after that, you know, hopefully you'll still be creating content. You know, you'll be writing blog posts. You'll be doing stuff like that. And so you can just say, hey, you know, we wrote a new blog post about this. Go check it out and send them to your blog post. If you're doing a launch, you can use it for your launch. But it's really that first sequence that gets people started. And after that, uh, then you can use it for just your general kind of promotional efforts and and providing more value. You don't have to do something every three days forever. Although if you can find a way to do that, that would be helpful. But obviously that that's tough to do. So the other question I have is, Reuven mentioned he's working on a Python course. I've been working on a Ruby on Rails course for a while. I keep putting it on the back burner. But, you know, let's say I revive the thing. Part of me thinks that I should do a webinar that just kind of, you know, helps people get started, does intro stuff. And part of me thinks that I should do a Q&A because I'd like to do more. So uh, I guess the question is, is is it okay to do a Q&A webinar to get started to figure out what you want to do the regular webinar on? Yep, I actually encourage people for their first webinar, I really, really encourage them to do a Q&A webinar for a lot of reasons. I mean, for one, if you've never done a webinar before, it can be really intimidating. Even if there's one or two people on it, it's still kind of intimidating because you're presenting and doing a Q&A. I mean, people are going to ask you a bunch of questions, but they're going to ask questions about something you're an expert on. And my one tip for the Q&A webinar is to not be afraid to say, you know, to be honest, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm glad to know that that's something that you want to know. And I'm going to find that out. I'll be sure to send an email out and let everybody on the list know the answer to that once I find it out, right? And so that's a great thing to do is start out with a Q&A webinar. And that's also going to let you know what people really want to know about because you're going to see the same questions pop up over and over and over. And that's going to tell you, hey, people are really focused on this area of whatever it is that I'm going to talk about. And that will kind of give you, it will steer you in the direction of what you want to design your primary webinar to be about. Awesome. Well, I kind of lost track of time. I didn't realize we were so close to the, uh, the end of our time. Do you have some things that you want to share with us really quick for our picks? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, one that's a little self-serving is I would encourage you to check out that webinar that I do because it's going to go just a little bit more in depth on what we talked about today. And you can go there. I think it's leadpageswebinar.com. For some other things, you know, I think that digitalmarketer.com uh, is a blog from Ryan Dice. And uh, he's got some of the, the most valuable content that I've ever seen in terms of high quality marketing and 
Uh, he talks about a lot of the a lot of similar things that we talk about here at Lead Pages. Another great blog is Firepole Marketing. Uh, that's Danny Inney, and he talks about kind of getting increased engagement and how to get people to you know connect with what you're doing and do it in a way that is really kind of integrity driven. And I really appreciate that. And I think as freelancers, that's something that's really important. So I would encourage you to check out those three uh, resources. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming, Tim. We'll let you go so that you can get to your next appointment. But really appreciate you taking the time to come talk to us. Yeah, thanks for having me on on the webinar or on the webinar on the podcast. It, uh, I had a, a great time, and I hope that this is valuable to the freelancers in the audience. Yeah, I think it is. Great, guys. Have a great one. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Tim. All right. Well, you guys want to do uh, the rest of the picks, Reuven, Why don't you go ahead and go? Okay, I'm going to have two self-serving picks and one non-self-serving pick. So the two uh, self-serving ones are the links to my upcoming ebook which I'm calling Practice Makes Python, which is, as we've talked about, about Python programming, but it's not meant to teach you the language. The idea is it's supposed to teach you, uh, sort of give you lots and lots and lots of practice through lots of exercises after you've already gone through a Python course and don't yet feel like you really get the nitty-gritty of the language that you're going to have to use in your actual work. So that should be coming out in mid-October is my hope. And then I'm starting to do online courses again. I tried it earlier this year. I'm now continuing, now that i finished the PhD and have Oh, so much free time. So my first one is going to be, or my first two are going to be on functional programming Python. And I've got the links in the show notes. I'm not sure if the show is coming out before it happens, but if so, feel free to sign up. And the third thing is I was just listening to Brendan Dunn's podcast earlier today, what he now calls his Double Your Freelancing podcast. And he had an interview with someone who talks about, uh, his name is Kurt Eisler, about how to follow up with clients after you've met them, after you start with them at all sorts of different stages. And I found this to be uh, quite interesting, actually. I thought it was a really great way to not only just meet people, but then do something that's more effective than just, oh, we should really talk at some point. Anyway, those are my picks for this week. Awesome. Curtis, what are your picks? All coffee-related today because of my new office. I'm going to pick an AeroPress, which is super easy to clean and makes great coffee. And I also picked up an AeroPress uh, metal filter so I don't have to go through all the paper ones all the time and repurchase them. And the final one was a decent burr grinder, which was actually surprisingly much cheaper than I thought. That's uh, my coffee setup for my office, along with a, a kettle, which I don't like, so I'm not recommending it. All right, Eric, what are your picks? All right, so I got two. Um, one is a post called The Difference Between Productivity and Getting Things Done. It's just a lot of productivity ideas. Really good idea out of it is to kind of figure out what's working for you. And that's the whole point of, you know, the getting things done versus just focusing on productivity. The second pick, uh, which is where it tempts from is lead pages. Um, I've actually been using lead pages since they launched. They do all my landing pages. The thing I like the most is they have a feature section, whatever, called lead boxes, where instead of having a full landing page, it's actually like you can make a link or a button that someone clicks and it opens up um, like a light box type thing that asks for an opt-in and it hooks into their system, sends it to, in my case, Aweber. Um, it can also give away like a PDF download or any kind of other file download, which is what Tim was talking about with the lead magnet, all that stuff. And I was looking at my lead boxes. I, I said earlier, I use those for my white papers. And so I actually, you know, you click the lead box, opens up, you opt in, and then I have lead pages send the white paper. For those, I'm getting, of the people who open the box, I'm getting like an 80, 90% opt-in rate. So they work really, really good. And I have them separated out so I can look at this list here and figure out which white papers are doing the best. Um, that's kind of what I was saying earlier about how you can focus on what stuff your clients actually want versus there's one here that's only like a 30%. 
no one wants that white paper. So I'm not going to do anything on that topic. I might even remove it to make it less visible. But Lead Pages is a great system. Um, there's other ones out there, but I've been using them and I recommend them. Awesome. I have to say that this is a little bit impulsive, but I'm going to pull the trigger on what Tim was talking to us about. So this isn't up now, but the show comes out in a week. So I have a week to put this up. If you go to freelancersanswers.com, there will be an opportunity for you to get on a webinar and do some Q&A with us. So, or at least with me. Um, I'll see if I can uh, rope some of these other guys into it, but I don't know what their schedules look like. But yeah, so we'll we'll answer questions about getting started with freelancing, you know, help out whoever shows up and, uh, you know, have a good time. So yeah, I'm going to pick that. And I'm also going to pick, I listen to another book. I tend to do that. I pick them on the show because I like them. Uh, this one's called Hounded. It is the first book in the Iron Druid Chronicles. Um, I like that one. Yeah, it was pretty good. I listened to it in about a day and a half just because I was sick most of Sunday so I just kind of laid around and listened to the book and then finished it up yesterday so uh, that's my other pick and yeah that, that's all I've got so we'll wrap up the show and we'll catch you all next week this episode is sponsored by Mad Glory you've been building software for a long time and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming work piles up hiring sucks and it's hard to get projects out the door check out Mad Glory they're a small shop with experience shipping big products They're smart, dedicated, will augment your team, and work as hard as you do. Find them online at madglory.com or on Twitter at madglory. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Would you like to join the conversation with the Freelancer Show panelists and their guests? Want to support the show? We have a forum that allows you to join the conversation and support the show at the same time. Sign up at freelancershow.com slash forum. 